Welcome back to the Morning Blend with Margaret Sheehan. Well, March 2011 is probably not the best March that Ireland has ever seen. There's talk of the IMF bailout, more money needed for the banks, um, large-scale unemployment. But if we go back to 1923 in Ireland, the country was in the grips of a bloody and vicious civil war. John Dorney is the author of the book, The Story of the Irish Civil War, and he joins us um, here this morning. Thank you, John, for getting on the show. You're more than welcome. Thanks, John. Now, can you just tell us about the events of March 1923? Yeah, well, the Civil War had been going on since the previous June, or late June and early July. And by March 1923, there really wasn't an awful lot of sense in carrying it on from the point of view of the Free State Government was set up by the Anglo-Irish Treaty and it was opposed by people in the anti-treaty IRA. The IRA had split, of course, over the treaty. Um, the Civil War had been going on for six or seven months and the government had essentially won. There wasn't any military point in continuing, but there were especially in Kerry, where we're talking from today, there was still a lot of violence. The anti-treaty IRA was very strong in Kerry, and they were capable of carrying on a guerrilla campaign against the Free State troops who were based in towns like Tralee and Killarney. Mm-hmm. And by March 1923, things really came to a head in terms of the bitterness. I mean, I think you get a sense of um, people, particularly on the Free State side, lashing out at the anti-treaty side. They didn't see why they were continuing, and they kind of wanted revenge, really, for what had been going on. Mm-hmm. So it culminated in a lot of really nasty and vicious revenge killings. Just, just go back to the guerrilla warfare. Was the Irish War, or the Irish War of Independence, was that one of the first uses of guerrilla warfare? I mean, was that was there any reason why that came to such prominence in both those conflicts? Yeah, well, I mean, guerrilla warfare is, oh, is very old in the sense of uh, if you get small groups of men with weapons uh, attacking larger groups who they can't take on face-to-face, that's very old, but... What's modern and what was new at that time was use of guerrilla warfare as a political weapon. In the War of Independence, what you saw was the use of small-scale attacks to draw political attention to the question of Irish independence and to show that Ireland was resisting, or the Irish Republic, which had been declared in 1919, was resisting the British attempts to impose another solution, to impose something like Home Rule, or not to recognise the Irish Republic. And in the Civil War, basically, the IRA or the anti-treaty IRA tried to continue the success that they had against the British by using small-scale attacks to try to destabilise the government, to try to undermine the workings of government. And it had been very effective against the British, but what they missed, and what some of them knew, but not the people in charge, Mm -hmm. knew was that this was an Irish government, so the same kind of dynamic didn't apply. The government had actually won an election just before the Civil War, and the amount of political pressure you could put on wasn't the same. So. They had a mandate, basically, by, from the people, I suppose, more pretty so m- than, than, obviously, the British. Pretty much. I mean, this is, this is really the, the, very, the great failing of it, because guerrilla warfare is not really about war. It's about the political pressure that, the, you know, that your armed actions can put on a government. And in the civil war, this didn't really apply to the same extent. Okay. Um, going back to Kerry, like what, what events took place in Kerry around this time and how bloody was it? Well, I mean, in terms of... If you're comparing it to, say, the First World War, which had just ended, or if you compare it to, say, the Second World War, it wasn't that bloody, but it was people who knew each other, and it was very nasty, very vicious stuff. And what happened in Kerry was, at the start of the month, there was an attack by the anti-treaty guerrillas on Cahir Savine, and uh, there was a number of people killed in that. There was five or six people killed. There was six or seven prisoners taken. Now, the prisoners told the Free State Garrison, uh, interly, that there was a dugout, there was a base for guerrillas mm-hmm. in Nagashal, which is a small village, and the troops entering the dugout triggered a booby trap mine, which the people who had told them it was there knew it was there, and it blew up five soldiers. Now, okay. three of those soldiers were intelligence officers. This means that they were very close to the people who were in command in Kerry. And this triggered, within a week, there was, I think, 17 prisoners killed, and killed in very nasty ways. The day afterwards, 
there was nine prisoners taken out of Ballymullen uh, Barracks in Tralee uh, to Ballycidi, where they were tied to a landmine and blown up. The Free Staters kind of knew what was in store when they did that? Yeah. Now, the story okay. at the time that they gave out was that the IRA, the anti-treaty IRA, had laid the mine and that the prisoners were put to work clearing the mine and that they were accidentally blown up. And that was the story that the army put out at the time and it was defended in the Dáil by Richard Mulcahy, who was the Minister for Defence and Commander-in-Chief of the Army. Um, we now know that it's only come out in the last uh, in the last decade, really, that, in fact, the mine was made by the Free State troops centrally and that they tied the prisoners around the mine and blew them up. And the other reason that we know that is that one of the prisoners, was, whose name was Stephen Fuller, who was later a TD in Kerry, mm-hmm. uh, was blown clear by the blast and he, he survived to tell about it. And the other reason that we know that it wasn't an accident is that they did it two more times. In the following week, Countess Bridge in Killarney, there was four more prisoners blown up. And then at Cartersveen itself, on the 12th, I think, of March, there was five more prisoners blown up. So you're really talking about very savage stuff, you know. And would the government have been aware of this, you think, or would it have been locally driven? Well, the man who was responsible was a guy called Paddy Daly, who was the commander of what was called the Dublin Guard, which was former IRA in Dublin, who had become part of the Free State Army. He basically bears the responsibility. The government, I don't think, didn't order it, but I do think that they looked the other way. The documents that have been released in the last two years showed the government were pretty much aware of who had done it and why. But they stuck with this idea that it was an accident because basically they couldn't afford to admit this, that their troops were were doing this, you know. Okay, like every time I go to Killarney, I pass the Bally CD Memorial. How relevant is that to today's society? How, How relevant are these events? Are they still embedded in our psyche or are they are they gone i think it's mostly gone i think particularly in Kerry. i mean it, le- it definitely left a mark you know in terms of this was people's first experience of the irish state and what it was going to be like and unfortunately it was what people experienced in, in some places but particularly in Kerry, was this kind of savagery which is the a great tragedy of the civil war i mean in terms of now i would like to think that the bitterness is gone i mean i've talked to people in Sinn fein mm-hmm. and modern republicans and they say well you know this stuff was a great tragedy but it's it's not greatly relevant to our society, so I think that's a good thing. In terms, obviously, of the long-term effects of the Civil War, it left us with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, the two sides of the Civil War, mm-hmm. who for a long time were the two biggest parties. And in the latest election, there are signs that might be fading. And yeah, I was going to ask you that. Is, is, is that gone now, or is it...? Well, I would, I would like to think that it's gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing about the Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael is that it's not only the Civil War. I mean, they also they were political parties for a very long time, and you know people support them for all kinds of issues because they like the local TD or because... TD did good work in a local area and so forth. There was economic policies, there was differences between that. So I don't think it was only the Civil War. But I think that certainly the just the personal bitterness of the Civil War was very important in Kerry, places like Sligo and Wexford, mm-hmm. places where these vicious, nasty things had happened for a long time. But I think in a wider sense, if you're getting just beyond the party politics, mm-hmm. I think that the, one of the legacies of the Civil War was it left all kinds of damaging legacies in terms of government secrecy. Like if you see with the Ballycidi massacre, for example, the government mm-hmm. knew about it and they covered it up, you know. And okay. if you see with something like the industrial schools where there was all kinds of sexual abuse of children, you see the same thing. Mm-hmm. You see people who were acting on behalf of the state doing terrible things which the state more or less knew about, but they looked the other way. Okay, so it may not be the obvious repercussions, it might be the subtle repercussions that it, it actually had on the country. I think so. I mean, I think that the most damaging thing about the Civil War was that, that the fact that um, instead of having an open society at the start where things could be debated and, and talked out, Instead of that, we had a society which started off in a civil war. So this left all kinds of, I think, kind of paranoia in, in Irish government about secrecy and about, you know, telling people what to do. Okay. And the government kind of distrustful of its people in a lot of ways. You know. I think it's, it's only now maybe we're getting over that. Right. John, uh, we leave that there. Thanks very much for joining us today. Uh, OK, thank you. Bye.
And hopefully that era of secrecy is now over. This is Rule the World.